My name is Ian Thompson. I'm from St. Ignatius High School in Cleveland, Ohio. For more than three years now, I've been rowing on the Cuyahoga River every day as part of the crew team for my school. Across the river from the boathouse, you can see the trees and overgrowth on Riverbed Road, a closed-off road 200 feet away from the dock. But no one pays attention to that. All along the river are steel mills, freighters, restaurants, and even a concert venue. The river is beautiful. What I didn't see, what's also right there but maybe not as picturesque, is an entire invisible world. A world filled with invisible people who, when they die, are completely forgotten because no one sees them as people. The homeless. The Labra Ministry for the Homeless, which we call Labra for short, was founded by two former teachers at St. Ignatius, Jim Skirl and Tim Grady. Together with two students, they went out one Sunday night to see if they could visit and offer some food to Cleveland's homeless. For more than 840 straight Sundays, more than 16 years, Labra has loaded vans with meals and students and gone out to feed the homeless. However, Labra is unusual in its approach. Everyone running Labra knows that there are a number of organizations dedicated to giving the homeless the necessities of life, like food and shelter. So, they provide something for both the students and the homeless that is often overlooked when serving the homeless. Relationships. Right, so our view on service to the homeless is all about relationships. This is Connor Walters. He helps to run Labra, and he goes out every Sunday. From our standpoint, anybody can get into a car and make some sandwiches and pass them out the window and say, all right, see you later. But what we do that's a little bit different is we get out of the van, we take the time to talk to people, we shake their hands, we ask them for their name, we get give them our name, um, we get down on their level, we crawl under the bridges, we kneel down on the ground if that's where they're sleeping. Going out with Labra is world-changing precisely because you talk with those you serve. So uh, once again, first-timers, uh, if you're a little nervous or anxious, uh, don't be. Think about that. <clears throat> right now, you're hearing Mr. Plaspel speaking to the group before we went out on Labra one Sunday. Mr. Plaspel also helps run Labra. One day, he even gave the shoes off of his own feet to another homeless man whose shoes were worn down to literally nothing. Close to 15 or 16 years, I always forget that uh, years of years have gone out. So our vans have really become beacons of hope. So they're, they're welcome wagons. This focus on the people Labra serves is central to their mission. We very literally try to be on their level and communicate with them and ask them how they're going. And then the important piece is that one week later we come back. We don't abandon anybody. This isn't just a one and done thing. And so now for over 840 weeks, we've built up some amazing relationships with people who don't necessarily have many other people in their lives. Making the food secondary to actually talking to the homeless has helped Labra to build relationships over the years. Tell them your name and ask them theirs. It's as simple as that. Look them in the eyeball. Give them a good handshake. Tell them your name and ask them his or hers. If they don't get it, ask them again. And then you repeat their name. They may, throughout the course of a day or throughout the week, never have their name being said. It's not about the food. First timers you'll find out it's not about the food at all. It's really about the relationships we build up. Those relationships have evolved over the years. There's people who we um, used to visit originally, and you could barely get a word out of them, or they would refuse any food or interaction whatsoever. And over time, it's it's not quite persistent so much as it is dedication that um, warms people up, brings them out of their shell. And so there's a number of people uh, with whom we've formed very strong relationships 
but it has taken years and it has taken getting to know them and understand them to reach this point. When you go out on Labra, you can really see these friendships Labra has forged. The man we visit on our first stop, Tony, is someone Labra has known for more than 10 years. Yeah, so Tony, <laughs> Tony's been uh, one of our longest uh, friends that we've known through Labra. Um, and I just cannot stop smiling by talking about him uh, because when we see him on Sundays, it's a huge smile on his face. And that was how he was when he was living on the streets. Things started to go well for Tony when he was contacted by an organization that got him inside. Labra still visits him every Sunday. We still continue to visit him because um, what we've built is a relationship. And so when people get inside off the streets, uh, we make an effort to continue to um, foster that relationship by visiting them in their homes. And they love to be able to welcome us into their home when they haven't had one for so long. That's one of the amazing things about Tony being the first stop. He isn't homeless, so to an outsider, it makes no sense why Labra would stop there. But when you think about knowing someone for that long, being friends for that long, it makes perfect sense why we keep coming back. The focus is never on the food. It's the people. Oscar, nice glad to meet you, you Oscar. Ian, Ian nice glad to meet you, to meet you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Mark, glad to meet you. Yeah, thank you. Tony. Honor. Good to see you, you going. How are you? All right, good. Good. Tony Anthony. Hi, Anthony. Yeah. All right, yeah. Tony, there he is. Good, good, good. Good to see you. Yeah. The home he lives in is humble. The room is dominated by a CRT TV and the chair in front of it, with a library of old VCRs on the wall next to it. A Jason Bourne movie is playing silently as we talk. After a minute or two, the cat on his shoulder starts to mingle with the visitors. Yeah, it's Sheba. Yeah. That's my baby. Yeah. Yeah. Tony still has that amazing smile whenever we see him. He always says as we walk in that he can't wait to see us on Sunday. And it's clear that the volunteers can't wait to see him either. Later on in the night, we visited Jack on Riverbed Road right on the Cuyahoga. Jack is now inside. He did a lot of good down at Riverbed Road. He, he kind of was informally the mayor down there, kept people in line. He cleaned up that space time and time again when people would come through and, and trash it um, and really kind of, I think, made it a safe place for people to live um, when otherwise the police might have came through if things got out of hand. So he was uh, played an important role down there for sure. As we talked to Jack, we were just 200 feet away from the boathouse I row out of every day, on the closed-off road, in the trees and overgrowth, right across the river. Mm-hmm. Uh, see. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh. You need hand warmers or socks or anything? Jack, no, I got a hot chocolate for you if you want it. All right. How you doing? Go ahead. I'm here. Nice to meet you. Hey, so. you ball? Uh, I actually I row. Yeah. This guy can I, I hear you. <laughs> They hear us when we row on the river. As he says this, I look at the boathouse. I always knew that they were homeless in Cleveland, but I never knew how close they always are. And I certainly didn't realize that there was a man named Jack, always working tirelessly to keep his corner of the world in order, that woke up when I was loud at 5.30 in the morning. Well, at least in, in Cleveland and around... St. Ignatius High School, I mean, homelessness is ever-present. It's under the bridges we drive over. It's around the corner of the streets that we walk. Um, It's in the alleyways by the stadiums that we visit. And so 
um, when we choose to ignore that, uh, you know, drawing on the gospel, that would be if just as if Jesus had walked past the beggar and said, I can't help you or I don't care. That's the gap that Labra tries to fill. Labra cares. That's why the focus is on the people and not on the food. We continue on our route and visit Frederico. So Frederico, I remember meeting him distinctly. He was lying on a bench uh, outside the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. This was in the like, late spring or summertime. It wasn't terribly cold out. Um, but he just lying on a bench, totally exposed. Um, friendly guy. Um, originally from Naples, Italy. Just kind of a character. And I remember the teacher who was out with us and some of the students who who were more veterans of the program uh you know just seemed totally comfortable talking to this guy and that obviously greased the wheels for me um and now he's you know probably two tenths of a mile away sleeping in a makeshift camp uh on a bridge right by cleveland brown stadium or first energy stadium Federico. So again, still on the streets, but he is what uh, Labra founder Jim Skrull would have called uh, an urban cowboy. He's content to be on the streets. That's his life. He, he's told us if, you know, if I had to go inside, then I have to pay bills and I have to pay taxes. And who wants to do that? And uh, I can't argue with him there. It's not common that you see a homeless person seem content with their situation, but Federico certainly is. He has his routine and he follows it. He lives a simple life. I wonder if the people he passes every day as he walks the streets know who he is. He's, he's managed. He wakes up every morning and walks across the Detroit Superior Bridge to St. Malachy where he gets a donut and a cup of coffee. And that's pretty much his routine every single day of the year. How he fills the rest of his day is usually walking around or going into the libraries. Um, you know, someone should give that guy a pedometer because he puts in more miles in a given week than probably most avid runners here in the city. One of Lavra's closest friends, someone we knew for 10 years, was a man who went by the name of Alabama Jim. Yeah, he was one of those guys we knew, maybe not the first day, but, you know, from early on. Um, and... Uh, he built this amazing camp. He was so great with his hands uh, and lived and had an arrangement with uh, this place that would throw away all their leftover wood scraps and plywood and things. And so he just used it to build and build and build and build and build. And he built this amazing camp. He made an elaborate furnace, an outhouse that he called the throne, and even a rocking swing. And so you'd walk up to this camp, and it was just kind of this, like, magical place. He had signs hanging everywhere that just said, oh, well, or God is good. Um, always had a warm fire going. Um, and he had been an addict and cleaned his life up um, when he was down in Alabama. Uh, that's how he got the name, Alabama Jim. And then spent a lot of his life just looking after other homeless people and taking them in and letting them stay with him. Um, and went and you know sometimes his camp was a safe place for guys to go drink alcoholics who just you know couldn't shake the stuff and uh, so he took care of them and policed them and uh, then a few years ago disaster struck 
He had literally gotten inside not even a month before and was very hesitant to go inside, but he, he did move in. Um, and one winter night, he was visiting a friend and uh, suddenly uh, died. And it was, it, it was kind of at a loss for words because he was just this amazing guy, almost like a mythical figure. And they had a memorial service for him. And all the people in the Cleveland homeless outreach community knew Alabama Jim. And so this thing was well attended, <laughs> to say the least. Um, you think of a homeless person's funeral, you know, they usually probably, they usually die in anonymity. And here's Alabama Jim with dozens of people, college students, high school students, adults, um, different church groups that were there. And uh, everyone got up and was telling stories about Jimbo. They usually die in anonymity. At the very end, the last guy to get up was um, a man who happened to be Jimbo's son. And we had no idea that Jimbo had a son, Jimbo had a family. Um, Conversely, Jimbo's son had no idea that his dad had gotten clean and had been this important figure for so many in the Cleveland homeless community. And it was by sitting there and listening to all of us tell stories about his dad that he realized his dad wasn't a bum. His dad's life wasn't a waste. And he got up and and said as much. And, uh, I mean, there wasn't a dry eye in the little chapel where they had this memorial service. He only learned about all the good his dad did for others because of organizations like Labra. Because of people who take the time to find that person hidden behind the thick veil of homelessness. I mean... That's the power of building relationships, that a homeless man would be celebrated in this way by so many people from all throughout the Cleveland area. Um, it's, it's remarkable. Mr. Skrull, the theology teacher who started Labra, ran Labra for more than 600 Sunday nights before he died from pancreatic cancer in 2014. He was a guy for whom everyone was a friend, his students, his family, and even strangers. And that was never more evident than on Sunday nights. What I hope you see, what's right there but maybe not as picturesque, is an entire invisible world. A world filled with invisible people like Tony, Jack, Frederico, and Jim, who, when they die, hopefully will not be completely forgotten because you see them and got to know them. The homeless.